I guess, good day, then. Good morrow to you, fair maiden. Yes, or good evening, depending good evening. on whether you're listening to this on Halloween or not. Uh, this is JD Confidential. And Professor Murder. And it's episode eight of the Black Roses and Poetry podcast, in which we explore Halloween and writer's block. Yes, two completely related topics. Well, I mean, writer's block related to the pandemic. You know, I was saying the other day when we discussed recording this that I wrote a poem about writer's block. I know that sounds ridiculous. I was trying to write a poem about something else and it just would not work on paper. I got so frustrated that I wrote a poem about writer's block. But then, of course, I moved and I can't find the notebook that it's in. So goodbye, writer's block poem forever, probably. Uh Yes, it's sad. So. Well, you know, it's um, uh, a bricked um, external uh, hard drive from about four computers ago that probably has all of my uh, writing that I did all through high school and college. And at some point I have to see if I can un- get a professional to unbrick it so I can at least uh, save it onto a different um, resource or put it on a cloud or whatever. Um, yeah. I did that not, a few years back. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, not that it's any good. Like, I, I'm i wondering how much of it is salvageable or useful. I think some of the stuff I did in college I'd still like. But, like, none of my my high school um, scribblings are uh, worth preserving, I would think. No? So, really? No, eh, no. I mean, not to stand on their own. I think, uh, I don't know if I somehow ended up becoming important then i'm sure someone would want to look back and be like and look how terrible he was when he was 17. yeah i i get that feeling it's so i look back at my poetry from high school i'm like what the hell jesus i was just i was too goth for myself and then uh, you know i don't worry I, so much about um the ideas i was exploring because i think that the ideas that you have at any age are are valid for what you were going through at the time. It's more of, in terms of ability, <laughs> that's more of the yeah. issue, like, you know, style and, uh, the style is more important than the substance, I would say, in terms of how I'm evaluating it. Like, um, the things that I was trying to deal with, I mean, you could still look at them through the lens of, uh, you know, that's uh, kind of uh, immature, uh, kind of views of things, but that doesn't make them an invalid thing to look at. But what's cringy more for me is not the feelings I was going through, uh, but rather my terrible way of expressing them uh, yeah, might, I, I, might not uh, hold up very well. But again, some of these things I haven't read in, in decades, uh, like I said, because the drive on is bricked. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked back at mine and some of them were not salvageable in terms of if I wanted to publish them, they're just mm. not that they're garbage. They're just so indicative of the fact that I was probably 14 when I wrote it that like, you know, no. And then, you know, I look back at other writing from my graduate school years and law school. And like, I published a, a law review article when I was in law school and I look at yep. that still. And I'm like, wow, my writing has changed completely in the last, you know, 13 plus years. So yeah. I get it. You know, something from, 30 years ago is going to be like, I don't, I don't want this in a book or somebody to see it. God, yeah. no. 
Well, that's uh, and that kind of leads into actually today's topic. What for me is the number one source of of writer's block, which is um, the dread of initial drafts. Um, this mm-hmm. feeling of you want to have already somehow magically come up with the perfect way that you want to say the thing when you begin. When, as an educator, I constantly tell my students, you're going to be revising this. You're going to be reapproaching it. You're going to be improving upon it. Don't think that you have to uh, punish yourself because you can't come up with the first perfect sentence, or the perfect first sentence, rather. Just give a first sentence and then make it better afterwards because you will waste so much time. And this is true really of all expression. If only the final version would be the version you create, like there was a, what's the myth about um, Shakespeare? Um, Or there was a similar one about Mozart that they were such geniuses that they didn't have to revise their work at all, that it just sprung from their minds complete and perfect. Like that was the, the point in the the movie Amadeus that uh, mm-hmm. uh, that he just he came up with these perfect uh, operas in his mind and it was like that's actually bullshit though we we know that it is because uh, we can find notes and whatnot and revisions that these guys made to their works it's a known quantity and right. it romanticizes in a very negative way the the artistic process because it convinces people that. If they can't make it good uh, from the beginning, it will never be good because greatness will be immediate. And that's bullshit, you know. Um, yeah, even, that's almost never the case. Like the one off where it's like, oh, wow, that was great. But most people, it's just like, wow, I sucked a lot until I got better. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and you have to wade through a lot of, of shit to find diamonds. You know, it's just how it is. Like. You know, and I don't learn this lesson any better myself, you know, which is sometimes why I sometimes feel hypocritical when I'm talking with my students about this. But it bears repeating that I tell them, I'm like, look, you only get better by doing. And you have to understand that the getting better part will not precede the doing part. So you have to put in the effort and later efforts will be better than initial efforts. And that's the whole thing about why I'm like, I don't know what I, if I want to look back at, you know, stuff that I made, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, uh, but Yeah, I know. Um, We're old. Well, yeah, but also if my sensibilities and my ability to tell what I liked and didn't like or what I felt was strong and what was weak haven't evolved over 25 years, that would be actually a pretty sad statement of that I was still arrested in a 18-year-old version of this is what good writing is. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, And that wouldn't be doing me any favors. But again, you know, like, what's the main thing that stops me from start, from sitting down and starting to write? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say it the right way. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, that's... I think a lot of people are like that. And I can tell you right now. Um, so, you know, we ran a, we ran a LARP, right? Cause yes. we're, we're huge nerds and we ran a LARP that was um, based in the uh, weird fiction setting that HP Lovecraft kind of created yep. and has evolved since. And I wrote an episode of that LARP. Um, yes. 
called The Ball. And I decided I was going to write a novella or a short story, depending on how it shakes out, yeah. based on the premise of that. Right. Um, and I sat down to write it and I had everything ready. And I mean, we ran it. So I know kind of how it went and I should be able to put it together. Right. Yeah. All I have done is outline the first three chapters. Mm. And I never outline. Like, that's not my thing. For, yeah. for fiction writing, I don't outline. Yeah. So I'm just stuck because I'm like, this went really well when we had actual people playing sure. parts, but I can't, I can't do the dialogue. Yeah. And why is that? Like, and it's really, I mean, I think the creative process right now is kind of stunted because, you know, everybody's in a panic about whether they're going to catch a deadly disease or, yeah. you know, there's going to yeah. be a riot that burns their house down or whatever, because yeah. there's a lot well, of that shit it's, going um, too. I, I don't know if it was you that posted or with someone else, but the notion of that right now, for a lot of people, your brain is in a place of all of we're we're putting all of our eggs into the not dying tomorrow basket. So yeah. and I did post that, yes. Yes. And as a result, you don't have spare eggs to put in the let me craft some beautiful poetry basket. I mean, it's funny, like if you actually go back to um uh, Virginia Woolf. That's uh, kind of the premise of the room of one's own. The notion of that if you want to be artistically creative, you need space um, and you know uh, and freedom and uh, comfort in a sense, because you know people often say, look, if you want to be a writer, you have to make you have to treat writing like a job, and that's totally true, but you have to also have the ability to take on that new job, you know, like, yes. and even for people who are not working right now during all of this, you still might not have it in you to be creative in that way right now, because too much of you is dedicated to so many other concerns. Um, right. Like finding a paid job because, yeah. you know, I, while I love writing, I have never paid the bills with my, fiction or poetry writing ever and i'm yeah. sure there are people who do sure. like who are not uh, major uh, famous authors and that's great yeah. for them but that's not you or me right now no, so. not at this time no you know and that's the thing that's difficult is uh carving out enough time to get the ball rolling is challenging um because you've got this kind of sense of and that's the thing too that sometimes you'll punish yourself because you'll feel oh well it's kind of an indulgence that I'm engaging in these things when I should be more productive. But I mean, to be honest, like, here's the thing. It is really a part of the basic cruelty of the world we're in right now that pe anyone is expected to be operating at full productivity right now. Right. Um, that we're, that we have to act as if shit's normal. Shit's not normal. No. And it's not it, a new normal yet either. I yeah. know people say that. New, this is not the new normal because it first changes of all, every other day. The, the the whole term new normal can suck my dick um, mm -hmm. because it is totally just a, hey, look, I know you're going through some things, um, but things are never going to get better. So deal. Be like, well, fuck you very much. You know, <laughs> like, what do you want from me then? Like how? Thank you for being so fucking comforting. Be right? like, everything will always be fucked forever. This is the new normal. Or like, oh, other people have had it so bad prior to this, and now you're getting a taste. Be like, great, thank you kindly. Fuck off. You know, like, 
I'm, I'm glad that your degree of human empathy is so significant right now. Yeah, but um, the, the whole pandemic thing. So um, I know, you know, everybody knows because I'm JD Confidential, I'm, I'm a lawyer, um, but most of my job right now is teaching. So um, I've been teaching from home for months using Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever program is available for the students and wanting to gouge my eyes out because I have to have this like rictus smile on my face while I'm teaching them the most boring topic ever about the law. And then, um, you know, they, they have questions and I'm bombarded with questions all day and night instead of it being me in person for an hour teaching them yep. or an hour and a half. And then oh. they ask their questions and then I leave and it's done. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm get I'm on vacation for the next few days and I'm getting questions now. Like yeah. people are emailing me. And the only reason I even looked at my email for work is because something's wrong with my work computer. And the IT mm. guy said, please check your email today to see if they get back to us. Like <laughs> that's yeah. it. So, like, I'm sure a lot of people are in the same boat where they have to do this video chat stuff all the yep. time yep. Um, to keep in touch with their work. And, you know, it's it's rough. You're like you're on in a way that you weren't on before. Sure. And, and I know you teach remotely, too, so I'm sure it's yeah. similar. Well, I mean, you got to um, I mean, the, the short answer is you have to. Uh, set um, boundaries and not just for others of what you're willing to give or give to them, but you have to set them for yourself too. And you have to adhere to them as much as you make others adhere to them because, you know, you're right that um, if you tell people, look, I'm not available on Saturdays, people will still message you on Saturdays saying on the hope that you will bend the rules for them. And mm -hmm. the thing is, you know, you're a big softy, so you will. And, <laughs> You know, but you should be a softy for yourself and look after you, you know, because none of, you know, not for nothing. I get it. They need your help, but none of them are looking after you. No, of course not. You know, and it's not selfish for you to set a boundary where you're like, look, I'm giving you large amounts of my time to address your concerns, but not all of my time. And some of my time is mine. It's not yours. If you try and reach me during my time, I won't respond. I won't respond until we're back on the time I give you. And I don't, I'm not saying I don't care, but I don't. So. Right. You know, it is what it is. Like people always want to be the exception. And at some point, if you keep letting people uh be an exception for you you have to ask yourself when am i the exception for them when am, when am i getting cut some slack yeah and the answer is generally never so that's why you know a couple weeks ago i was just like you know what not looking at email after five o'clock not looking at it on holidays anymore not looking at it you on weekends. you're not on you're not getting paid yeah so you know, no. it's like i it's like I said before are you are am i getting paid if the answer is no then okay then if i do this i'm doing someone a favor and do I want to? And the answer should, hey, be no. Lots more than it is yeah. now. You know what I mean? Like we're not, you know, like people act like every time you do something for them off the clock, it's as if you were holding a door open for them. Be like the amount of effort that I'm actually putting forward is much more than you're acknowledging. And no. 
and be like, oh, well, then, you know, I'm going to have a real problem. Be like, yeah, you're going to have a problem. I won't have a problem because what you're saying is that I should have a problem and work Saturday so you don't have a problem. No. Exactly. Like, if you want to pay me, I might consider it. Yeah. You know. If I was getting private practice, I got paid for the hours that I worked. Yeah, exactly. I worked worked of counsel. So if I worked on Saturday, I made $150 an hour. So (laughs) sure. You want me to answer your email? I'll be happy to do that for $150. That's fine. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Um, it's been that so-called pandemic normal shit has been a, a goddamn hot mess. Well, the thing is, people are going to start burning out and people have to start applying the brakes themselves because otherwise they're going to snap under the pressure. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and it's rough, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we're dealing with in my household. I don't want to go into a lot of details about it, but just people will ask things of you constantly, you know, and you're going to have to deal with stuff even when you're not in the office and let it go. You know, Elsa had some good advice. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. So, on that lovely note, yes. um, we did decide to do a Halloween episode. Yes. Uh, Spaghetti Confidential has her Halloween parade today at school. Yeah, what was she dressed hour. up as? I couldn't tell what that costume was. was so, it some show I don't know because I'm old yeah, now? I've never, I've never seen it either. It's a Disney movie called Zombies 2, and the character name is Addison. Okay. Um, so, I did... I did see the zombies movie. I by see, I mean I'm aware of. I never watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a musical about zombies, so yeah. I didn't know they'd already done a sequel. Um, it yes. did not surprise me that your daughter would have watched both one and two at some point. Um, yeah, because she is a fiend for Disney movies, especially the weird ones, like the ones about the Disney villain descendants. She was one of the characters from that last year. Oh, great! So, yeah. Um, so she's a little villain in the making, you know, she keeps yeah. saying she's a Gryffindor. She's actually a Slytherin. We know That's this. Fine. Yes. You know, I know. She takes, she takes after her godfather. It's fine. Yes. But you know, she, she has a problem with it because yeah. heavens forbid that she's not, you know, Harry Potter or Hermione Granger and everything. She has to be. Well, look, all you've got to point out is that, um, you know, how disappointing JK Rowling has become and yeah. that. Really, you want to be the villains of any story that she wrote. So there you go. Yes, because good Lord. I'm uh. sorry. It, not to not to go too far afield, but that person. So she decided that trans women aren't women somehow. Um, yeah. She, which, and then she claims it's because she was sexually assaulted and she wants safe place for people with vaginas, essentially. And... As somebody who has is also a survivor of sexual assault, because, you know, what is it? One in four women are yeah. uh, maybe more than that. Um, that's bullshit. OK. Yeah. Um, trans women are women. Trans men are men. Non-binaries are what they identify as. And everybody else can suck it. Yeah. Like if you have a if you have a different opinion on that, I'm sorry, we're, we're not going to we're not going to get along. So. Yeah, it it's um I mean my opinion of of her take is unfortunately cuz I've seen it before and and I'll be perfectly honest it definitely was one when I was less educated about things that I fell into the notion mm-hmm. of 
oh, well, if you stop and think about it, like the intellectualizing of the whole thing as mm -hmm. if it's some kind of uh, removed from people mathematical conundrum rather than people's actual uh, lives and safety are kind of at stake. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, we're like, oh, well, you know, uh, there are set definitions for men and women that we've had for centuries and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, maybe you should actually talk to some people and learn their experiences and what's going on and expand uh, the things you've been exposed to. And, uh, you know, I, I was lucky, you know, I definitely and, you know, uh, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it was purely through that I ended up watching uh a couple of uh, reports that were kind of going to more depth of some of the actual science behind uh, gender theory and whatnot mm -hmm. and really opened my eyes and made me realize that, you know, the uh, intellectualizing cruelty, if you will, that a lot of people engage in where, you know, oh, well, you know, if you think about it, be like, yeah, but if you feel about it a bit and realize that, you know, any philosophy or worldview you have that inherently uh, harms other people uh, maybe is bullshit and yes. you should re-examine it. Yeah. Just saying, you know, so I don't, you know, I don't have much patience for it at this point. I'm disappointed, uh, but obviously I don't have a lot of, uh, um, you know, I have to admit to when I don't know things and I have to err on the side of other people's experiences instead of mine and what helps or harms them. So, uh, you know, that is what it is. I think that uh, too many people want to give their opinion rather than uh, stop and listen. Uh, yeah. And it is what it is. Like, you know, it it's in the same vein as... Uh, me or other white guys trying to explain to people what racism really is be like not you know I should relay what I've heard from people who have to experience racism rather than try and spell it out for people yeah uh, don't like don't this does or does not qualify yeah I guess. is that what it's yeah. called like is it is it white splaining I guess instead yeah. of mansplaining yeah uh, so I, yeah it is that it is but anyway <laughs> so um yeah so Halloween Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, when I proposed this one, I was, actually what I'm kind of thinking about is, like, why why is Halloween so great? But it's this weirdly commercial yet not commercial. It's mainstream yet counterculture. Like, obviously, in our lifetimes, Halloween has blown up in terms of being a big deal holiday. I mm -hmm. think that while certainly uh, adult Halloween celebrations are not a new phenomenon, um, Generation X is definitely the most, and eh, we're not going to get rid of the things that we liked as kids, actually. Like, if you think about it, um, and here's the interesting thing about it. Like, let's look at the previous generation to us, you know, boomers, and... They would say, oh, well, we didn't hang on to things that we liked as kids. You know, we, we moved past that and became adults. Be like, that's kind of true. But I have noticed that you're all into sports, which you all got into when you were children, um, which is just a bunch of adults playing games. So I'm calling bullshit on that. You know, like, 
<laughs> Don't get me wrong. I I mean, I get that you guys aren't really into the idea of like collecting uh, action figures like so many of our generation are, or any number of other. Let's be honest. Founded in childhood pursuits, mm-hmm. all right. That doesn't mean you're not engaging in the adult version. Like I play video games, but the video games that I play are not ones that are aimed at, you know, your daughter, for example. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying in terms of complexity, uh, content, all these sorts of things. Like, right. you know, but fundamentally, we both play video games. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. Um. Much in the same way that the way that an eight-year-old and the way that an 80-year-old both might enjoy baseball are fundamentally the same experience, but the way that they interact with the experience is very different. Right. So Halloween, just to bring it back, uh, (laughs) Halloween definitely was more aimed exclusively at young people, but I totally will assume that adult Halloween parties have been around as long as Halloween has been kind of a cultural holiday, which off the top of my head, I don't know how far back it goes, like for Americans. Um, yeah, I'm not sure either. I know, like, I know, I know you can see, cultures. like, yeah, I know you can find, like, well, that's the other thing that I always find interesting. Um, when people are like, oh, well, in its original form, be like, first of all, is that the original form or is that one that's far enough back that you can make that claim? Because, you know, is that how they were if just because they were celebrating it that way 500 years ago doesn't mean they were celebrating it that way 750 years ago you know what i'm saying right even, so when people try and be originalist about shit i just get amused or annoyed or both because i'm like yeah like it's like when people are like oh we want to take christmas back to the beginning be like so hiding from the romans <laughs> you know like yeah, like, or because that's you know. the only original form. Like, any time you're like, oh, well, this stuff that they were doing at this point, like, yeah, but that's like 600 years in. You're like, that's not the original. That's just that's a long time ago from now. Like, yeah. you know, so it's all ridiculous. Right. Um, but in other cultures, they have like masquerade balls, for instance, that sure. may or may not have been on Halloween, but. It's yeah. something that was a party where you would pretend to be somebody else. You would dress up as somebody else sure. or, you know, just wear a mask. And then, you know, we've kind of done that with the adult Halloween, except for everybody's dressed like um, scantily clad drunken hobos, I guess. Like, sexy, like uh, the sexy, <laughs> sexy coronavirus, you know. Sexy coronavirus, yeah. Yes. So, that, that'll know. be the, the name for today's episode. Hashtag sexy coronavirus. <laughs> So, um, but I know for, for like, for instance, my familiarity with Halloween is mostly like the Celtic Gaelic background of it, um, where, you know, people used to carve faces into turnips and leave them out to scare off evil spirits during, you know, the so-called dark time of the year. Yes, Um, yes. You know, and now we carve pumpkins, and when your kid screws it up, you end up with a cardboard axe in its head, and you're... you're that actually looked really cool. It came out very nice. Yeah, he had to, like, chop up the front of it because she messed up the uh, the ghost she was trying to carve into the front of the pumpkin. So, yeah. Um, I'll post a picture with the, with the show notes, I guess. Nice. Um, well, I guess kind of my point that I was more also delving into is given the 
the kind of tongue in cheek title that we gave to the to the podcast as a whole. Mm-hmm. Our our tastes are uh, to quote Beetlejuice for the strange and unusual. So, but why? You know, like what is it about that's like we're not engaged in a uh, Harlequin romance novel podcast here. So Mm-mm. obviously. There's a certain aesthetic that appeals to both of us. It's not the only one, obviously. You know, like, I like, you know, uh, dark themes and and that kind of stuff. I also like sci-fi and superheroes and fantasy and all these various geek pursuits, just not every single one of them. Um, But why this? What's the appeal, I guess? What's the appeal of Halloween? Because Halloween is can be pretty out there. I mean, that's always... Also, the other thing is, I'm so deep into this that things that a more vanilla person might be like, wow, that's really dark. I'd be like, really? <laughs> that just seems kind of mild to me. Like, you know, like the dark stuff is the stuff that, you know, like Cannibal Holocaust, like level of, you know, wild shit that I don't engage with, you know. So if someone's like, yeah, vampires and whatnot, that's some dark, wild stuff. It's like, not I mean, depends on the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, we we also have LARPed as vampires and were sure. creatures and changelings that were the the most broken, horrible fairies ever. Yep, yep, totally so, true. Um, you know, for for people who are into that, that's it's a little more difficult to say. Well, you know, this this couple of days a year in October where everybody dresses up and acts mad, like you're kind of like, well, it's okay. Let's and, add some booze. It'll be fine. Like yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's I don't know, like I don't mean to grognard it, but it definitely is a very mild experience in the grand scheme of things and I like the aesthetic, so I'm kind of always happy at this time of year. Because visually, things at least look interesting for me, you know, like goth mm-hmm. shit up a bit, you know, I'm like, sure, that's fine. Yeah. Well, like, I looked up Halloween poems just to see if I could find something, because it is a poetry podcast. Yes. And the first one that comes up is The Raven, which we did. Yeah, but it never mentioned, that's just something somebody, that people read on Halloween. And Halloween right, never is mentioned Halloween. or involved in any fucking way. Right. But it's again, fun. I think that. Part of that is because Halloween's a relatively... The way that we view Halloween is a very modern phenomenon. Like, we're talking only a couple generations back. We're not... You know, don't get me wrong. You can see, like, old-timey pictures, really disturbing ones, of the costumes the kids used to wear back in, like, the 20s. You know, like, where it's like, yeah, all these kids are serial killers. You know? But, um... It's, um... It's a pretty commercialized holiday at this point. You know, like... It's probably, if you think about it, from a commercial standpoint, Halloween's probably holiday number two in the United States. Like, Christmas is obviously number one. But in terms of, like, raw sales power and you're getting people to buy crap, Halloween's probably number two. People buy costumes and candy. Like, I mean, what else is there? Like, Fourth of July. Valentine's Day. Valentine's, I guess Valentine's Day might be number two. I don't know, like, because Valentine's Day is inherently exclusionary because it's main, it's a couple's holiday. So, like, if you're not with someone, fuck off, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Halloween could be for anyone who's got that aesthetic. Although, you know, there's still such a big chunk of of uh, people who, for as an article of faith, really believe that, no, it, it really is about worshiping the devil. It'd be like, 
if you think this is what devil worship is, you're adorable. You know, yeah, <laughs> like this is not this so. is um, any any more than going to see Santa at the mall is uh, proper Christian reverence. Exactly. Like that, that's it's what it comes down to. Like secular shit. Like, this is such a Halloween is for the vast majority of people a highly secular holiday, and at least I mean, and correct me on this one, uh, but for a lot of people who are of various uh, pagan alternate faiths, Halloween is only as much as a holiday as you want it to be, because it is only really claimed by one particular school of faith as this is a day that actually is one of our holy days. And for a lot of other groups, it's just like, yeah, we have a bunch of these. It's fine. So for like the, the more, I'm going to say more mainstream pagan, cause they're not exactly mainstream, but um, there's, there's eight main holidays, like, okay. and you might have other stuff too, but like there's the, the equinoxes and the solstices and then yep. there's cross quarter dates and halloween which is in the gaelic it's Samhain, and that's one of the cross quarter days and it's yeah. it's an important day but right. you know because some people consider it to be the pagan new year or whatever but most people are just like yeah it's an important day it's a day that we revere our ancestors and the dead because yep. the veil's supposed to be thin and right. there's, you know, a bonfire and people eat and drink and make merry or they alternatively are very quiet and sit with their ancestors. And sometimes yep. it's both. But, you know, they do just as much of that, except for there's usually more sex in May for Beltane. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that's kind of how it is. Um, and but I mean, overall, for the vast majority of people, it's a purely secular uh, experience and it's just Absolutely. a bit of it's a bit of fun and uh gives them a reason to release horror movies around this time of year and all this kind of stuff and i don't know like my take has always kind of been that exploring darkness uh in a controlled and safe way is healthy and necessary and i get it like there are always going to be people who take those explorations and go deeper and they get lost um and but people always point to those people and saying that's why you can't engage in these things at all. You know what I'm saying? And that's I'm like it's not gonna work. You know what I mean? Like it it's better that things be open and out there so that people aren't venturing into exploring dark themes uh, unattended. Is, I guess, my way of putting it. I mean, if anything, the modern internet era has shown us that when people are left to their own devices without social interaction in real time with real people to temper their experiences and to keep them grounded, that's when they go down rabbit holes uh, to find dark, fucked up shit that calls to yeah. them. Yes. Um, because they don't have a counter voice that's talking to them saying what are you fucking serious? You know, so, uh, just taking those, uh, things away. I don't know. Like, like just talk to people, be around them a bit, you know? I mean, <sighs> it, it, but this Halloween sucks. So <laughs> it does because this was supposed to be a great Halloween. It's on a full moon. It's on a Saturday, you know? Yeah. 
it's it's great. And then there's a fucking pandemic, so you can't go visit anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose you could have a quarantine bubble Halloween, or you could have mm. a video call Halloween with your buds. Mm. But it's yeah, cool. I mean, like, I guess... <laughs> I, and the other thing, too, is because I love Halloween so much, holiday, Halloween for me is the beginning of the holiday season. It's because um, you have this and then you're going to have Thanksgiving a few weeks later. And then if, and then about a month after that is Christmas and then New Year's. So. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I was in a store that rhymes with Schmargit today, yeah. uh, this morning, and they've had Christmas stuff out for weeks now, for like two weeks. That's and nothing. Halloween they, stuff is relegated to like yeah. two side aisles now. Yeah, I mean, but I get it because, especially this year, that's the interesting thing. This year is the only year where I can see that's kind of justified because people are, uh, you can trick people into thinking that things will be better in three months so that mm-hmm. they should buy as if in three months they're going to be normal. Because um, I have to think that sales on most Halloween stuff was super down this year because, you're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything, you know, like maybe like with your kid, you know, you're having some kind of school functions for the times when some schools have uh, had in class um, instruction. But, you know, <coughs> it's uh, it's it's disappointing. But like I said, one of the things disappointing about it is this is the canary, you know, like this is the and all of the holidays are fucked, you know, like mm-hmm. we're not getting together for Halloween, man. And let this prepare you for that you're not seeing anyone for Thanksgiving and probably like limited small family gatherings for Christmas. But there's going to be no big things like no big get togethers. They're all gone. Like, don't even expect New Year's, you know, like. It's it's very sad. And it's a good thing, though, that it's um, that people are getting used to staying apart because. I know where I live, there's been an uptick in COVID cases, like the transmission rate went up from like one to like 1.25, which is... Yeah, all of New, unfortunately, all of New Jersey is, is heading back upward because yeah. all of the country is heading back upward for the most part. But it's kind of yeah. sad, like we got hit hard first. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, that's the sad thing is, other parts of the country are in an ongoing first wave situation of that they never, uh, that they got hit later, they did not take things seriously, and they're getting hammered now. And while we have the opposite, where we got hit just out of nowhere in a sense, um, even people who were trying to be prepared uh, were not going to be enough to stem what we ended up getting hit with at the beginning of this year. Um, like, I remember, like, it was back in January, February, uh, before the the shutdowns in March. You know, me and yeah. some other people are like, maybe we should be doing some stuff like washing hands and and stuff like that. Try and that was not going to actually be enough. What was going to be needed was going to be the whole face masks, close restaurants, uh, you know, limit people going into shops, that kind of thing, and yeah. limit social interaction that we ended up having to do, but a lot of other parts of the country haven't done it and they still haven't done it. And they're going to, people think it's bad now are forgetting that soon we're going to be forced to be indoors by being winter. Yes. And not, and you might think, Oh, well that's better because you're staying at home. Be like, no, you're not understanding. 
if people still go to restaurants, it means there's no longer possible to do outdoor dining by the end of no. I would say probably by mid-November, even with outdoor heaters, you can't eat outside by the time Thanksgiving rolls around. It's just not possible in large chunks of the country. So, yeah, man, like, and then it's going to be that way from December through till March. At least. And if you're in a part of the country where they're not going to properly shut down, you're going to get massive spreading events uh, occurring because people are tucked in, uh, all tables occupied in an eatery, you know, or these kinds of things. And just it's just going to spread. It's just how it is. Yeah. And people are going to get sick and it's going to be a a disaster. Yeah. So, I mean, it's already really bad. Um, It's going to get worse. So I'm just. I'm hoping that the fact that people can't go out to big parties and whatnot is preparing them mentally for the fact that that's going to be the way it is probably until the spring. Yeah. Luckily, um, I think a lot of it also comes to who you have in your circle. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a person who you want to take this seriously, but let's say you had a partner who didn't, or you had friends who were more gregarious and they expected you to come out. People would be under a lot of social pressure to engage and to, oh, I'll go out a little or I'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I'm, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, uh, with who I'm with, they are equally concerned about these sorts of things. So we don't, neither one of us is saying together, oh, but I want to get together with people, you know, like that's not happening. So that makes that at least you have you feel you have backup when you're like we're not going out we're not getting together with you guys for dinner i'm sorry you know that kind of thing but it is what it is yeah i know for us we have a couple of people who are in our quarantine bubble so to speak because they are also being very careful yeah Um, but uh you know other than that yeah staying away from people because same thing so yeah well, you know, on the plus side, we'll have many more ancestors to thank next year. Yes. So on that happy note. On that happy note. Um, so I've got a couple of poems. I don't know if we want to read these. Um, uh, why, don't you, why don't you hit us up with the best one? Well, there's the one from Macbeth. Okay. And this is not specifically a Halloween poem, but this is the one that's very famous because it's the three witches. Yes. So round about the cauldron go in the poisoned entrails throw toad that under cold stone days and nights hast 31 sweltered venom sleeping got boil thou first in the charmed pot double double toil and trouble fire burn and cauldron bubble. Filet of fenny snake in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog. Adder's fork and blind worm's sting, lizard's leg and howlet's wing. For a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble. Double, double toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. Scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, witch's mummy, maw and gulf. Of the raven's salt sea shark. Root of hemlock digged in the dark. Liver of blaspheming Jew. Gall of goat and slips of yew. Slivered in the moon's eclipse. Nose of Turk and Tartar's lips. Finger of the birth-strangled babe. 
ditch delivered by a drab. Make the gruel thick and slab. Add thereto a tiger's chaudron for the ingredients of our cauldron. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. So, and, you know, I was 41 years old when I realized that uh, a lot of these ingredients are just herbs. Yes, yes. I, <laughs> it's, yes a, it's a recipe for horrible things, but most it is of it's Like, you wouldn't want to actually make this and drink it, I'm assuming. Um, no, no, no. But, several uh, of them were probably poisonous, but uh, there's not actual someone cutting out dog's tongues and throwing them into a pot. That's a, yes. a plant, I'm assuming, of some kind. Yeah, or, you know, some of this other stuff that's in here. Like, um, for instance, finger of birth strangled babe. I'm I'm hoping, at least, that that was referring to yeah. some root of some kind. Um, but I know most of the rest of it is. So, okay. um, yeah, so that's, that's one of the famous ones. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And you can see how much, I mean, obviously, that, that's from hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. But how the pop culture kind of uh, view of the witch is kind of this direct descendant of actually of Macbeth of that uh, kind of for because if you think about it, Shakespeare was the pop culture of his time, and mm-hmm. uh, how that then leads into like like the direct antecedents of that eventually lead to. Uh, um, the film version of Wizard of Oz, which becomes the still the enduring depiction of what witches are supposed to look like, you know, as uh, green skinned hags with a very specific uh, outfit on, you know, mm-hmm. riding a broom and all this kind of stuff. And when you go and look back at the folklore, you can look at how like the whole broom thing where that comes from uh, in the mythology of of being even weirder than the idea of, of riding on a broom because the broom flies. It was them, what, like erasing their tracks as they went through the sky with the broom. And you're like, wait, that makes even less sense. And you're like, okay, I can understand why I, I don't understand how that got changed, but at least the broom flies and you ride on it makes more sense than the, no, 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 I have to wipe off my, footprints as i walk through the air be like that's not how footprints work yeah i mean i know with using brooms in that sort of thing it's it's usually more like i'm sweeping away the bad energy or i'm I'm clearing the space that's the whole point so and that became people riding on a broomstick or you know sweeping away their own footprints which is yeah stupid so yeah yeah it's all fascinating um but you know the desire for more authentic experiences have all have made that uh that pop culture version of the witch recede like if you uh dressed as a witch for halloween and you went green skin pointed hat uh clearly anti-semitic nose choice you know that sort of thing um you would still be able to kind of play that off as being kitschy and, and goofy, you know, but I'm not saying that people used to take that depiction seriously, but people used to more think, oh, this is what witches look like. And yeah. now it's, of this is a cartoon of a witch, in a sense. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me of that scene from Monty Python with the witch, the, the Holy yes. Grail side with the witch, where they dressed her up in the hat with the carrot nose. Yes. Um, so that she, you know, she looked like a witch. Yes. And it turns out she just looked like a normal person, but she was a witch. So. She was, in fact, a witch. So. She was, in fact, a witch because she weighed the same as a duck. So That, that is a, a fair metric. Yes, it's a fair cop. So, um, yeah, there's there's this perception that, you know, people look a certain way, therefore they must be evil. Yeah, well, you know. And comes from medieval culture. So. Right, and you can definitely also see how, oh, that probably rises out of racism and bigotry on some form or another because the oh, idea yeah. of, because the idea of that anyone's uh, moral value can be determined by their physical appearance you're like, oh, okay, strange skin color, uh, exaggerated facial features of a very specific uh, connotation. What group of people might this be referring to? You know, like so on and so forth. So it's definitely, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, I mean, in a sense, that might be why they went with lurid bright green for the depiction of the witch in Wizard of Oz. I'd be curious to actually look back historically and say, was that the first time witches were just straight up painted green? Was it either in the film or in the book? And I'm wondering, was that something that predated that or not? You know, like, it's sometimes harder for us to judge because, like, you know, uh, when The Wizard of Oz film came out, it's one of famously a, a early color film as well. Yeah. And, I mean, for instance, in the book, it's silver slippers, but because they wanted it to pop on screen, they had her wearing ruby red slippers. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, I it might be. I don't know that it's the first depiction of a witch with green skin, but, you know, certainly. But you can also, like you're saying, the same thing with the shoes, that the green's going to pop on screen mm-hmm. and be very clear, this is the baddie, uh, yes. you know, depiction. Right. You know, not to mention that she's wearing the pointy hat and the striped socks and everything. So. Yep. Uh, you said you had another one you wanted to read, or? Um, well, I mean, I found a couple of them, so let me figure out which one is shortest. So, um, all right. So this one is called "A Ballad: The Lake of the Dismal Swamp," and it was written by Thomas More, not the saint. This is a guy who was born in the 18th century. Okay. Uh, And he's from Virginia. Gotcha. Okay. They made her a grave too cold and damp for a soul so warm and true. And she's gone to the lake of the dismal swamp where all night long by a firefly lamp she paddles her white canoe. And her firefly lamp I soon shall see and paddle and her paddle I soon shall hear. Long and loving our life shall be and I'll hide the maid in the cypress tree when the footstep of death is near. Away to the dismal swamp he speeds, his path was rugged and sore. Through tangled juniper beds of reeds, through many a fen where the serpent feeds, and a man never trod before. And when on the earth he sunk to sleep, if his slumber eyelids knew, he lay where the deadly vine doth weep, its venomous tear and nightly steep, the flesh with the blistering dew. And near him the she-wolf stirred the brake, and the copper snake breathed in his ear, till he start, till he starting cried, 
from his dream awake. Oh, when shall I see the dusky lake and the white canoe of my dear? He saw the lake and a meteor bright, quick over its surface played. Welcome, he said, my dear one's light, and the dim shore echoed for many a night, the name of the death cold maid. Till he hollowed out a boat of the birchen bark, which, he, which carried him off from shore. Far, far he followed the meteor's spark. The wind was high and the clouds were dark, and the boat returned no more. But off from the Indian hunter's camp, this lover and maid so true, are seen at the hour of midnight damped, to cross the lake by firefly lamp and paddle their white canoe. I like it. Definitely a lot of um, kind of classic macabre imagery in there. Mm -hmm. um, swamps, uh, uh, the the firefly lamp. So a lot of evocative uh, imagery uh, throughout. Um, you know, it's always kind of fascinating how you wonder how individual images came to become the canon and association with uh, Halloween, like what made the cut and what didn't. And again, when people talk about originalism or going back to older ideas, I do think there's something valid. It's just people often want to skip through all of their times in history um, when there's all kinds of different periods where different things were uh, what were the aesthetic, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's always just kind of interesting to me. Um, like you mentioned wolves, and I thought about it, it was like, Wolves are a very kind of weird animal for us as people because they are such a primal uh, fear for us. I would say, like, uh, certainly in the Western tradition, the reverence and fear of the wolf is very dead set into uh, the European mindset. Yeah. Um, they're, I mean, they're a prominent uh, heraldic animal. But at the same time, uh, all these... Uh, cultures that clearly put a lot of respect into the wolf also did their best to exterminate the shit out of them. Um, yeah. yeah. So, because they were competition, and I'm wondering if sometimes like that's the thing, like, other uh, predatory animals uh, like bears being the other big example, I don't think were subjected to the same virulent uh, hatred as the wolf because wolves actively would prey upon herd animals that were being controlled by people. Uh, well, like bears didn't attack sheep, you know, as a, as a general right. rule, but wolves do. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why wolves had to go. And so therefore wolves kind of being seen as sinister, um, I think is very fascinating. Um, you know, and in part could be from the fact that they are a competition, you know, in a real sense, like uh, they're an organized animal that, controls the territory much in the same way that we do right. and uh kind of viewing them as evil because we view ourselves as good if that makes any sense yeah and that's also why you know when we domesticated them and made them into just you know dogs. pets dogs doggos you know doggos um we view them as you know man's best friend it's it's something that's good because we made it good Yes. It's not competition anymore. It's it's one of us, essentially. Yep. So, yeah. So those were, I mean, I had another one, but it's kind of long, and we're, we're running short on time. So Yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, but um, 
you know, that's, I think, I think for Halloween, I think the reason why it's such a culture now is because it's a time when you can be somebody else and it's a time when you can, you know, in a secular way, be dark and it's fine. And like you were saying, kind of let off steam so that you can have these dark ideas and thoughts and it's perfectly normal, you know, for a couple of days a year. And then, you know. You, you go back to, oh, you know, we're we're normal people and Thanksgiving is this month and we're just going to, um, yeah. we're, we're just going to be normal and eat the turkey and, you know, watch the football game and that'll be that. So my final thought would be uh, kind of a, a question that maybe does not have an answer, but mm-hmm. do you think that the exploration of dark themes has been more hindered than helped by the existence of Halloween because it is given people a natural inclination to box up, oh, we've got a holiday for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for example, ghost stories uh, used to be a very big part of the Christmas tradition. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, like, that would seem very weird to a lot of people because they'd be like, isn't that a Halloween thing? So I'm wondering sometimes if the exploration, the safe exploration of dark themes being kind of relegated to Halloween while it's allowed people to be more free at that time of the year to explore those things has made it so that it would seem inappropriate other times of the year, which is why people, you know, who might like wearing black or (laughs) affecting a kind of a, a more, you know, macabre aesthetic tend to draw even more attention at the rest of the year because they're like, what are you doing out? It's not your month, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would tend to, I would tend to agree that that might be the case. I mean, I think also as a culture, we are moving more towards a, um, it away from the things that make us uncomfortable, so to speak, like more comfort seeking type of culture than maybe they were 200 years ago we don't talk about the dead in the same way we don't expose children to death in the same way anymore yeah. so that might also play into it yep all right cool cool yeah all right well it's been a pleasure yes so i'm jd confidential And I'm Professor Murder, and we want to wish everybody who's listening a happy Halloween. Although, given editing, this might come out after Halloween, which we totally acknowledge as possible. Well, I'm going to do my very best to get it done today. Amen. Good luck. All right. Okay. Au revoir.